Welcome, everybody, to the Bless Beyond Measure podcast. I'm your host, C.L. The Source. Thank you once again for tuning in to yet another episode. And today I'm sitting with a real talented dude that I came across on Instagram. I came across a post that he made, uh, and I think it was under the hashtag growth. And I was just searching up all these different posts with growth, and his caught my eye immediately because it said in 2016, he was broke and playing violin on the streets. And then if you swipe left, it told a story of all these amazing things that he did after that. And it got me super inspired, super motivated, and also very curious. So I did the thing, the logical thing was try to reach out to dude and, and ask if he'd love to come on here and have a conversation and, and share that story because I felt the inspiration already kind of going through me. And I really wanted to share that with the audience, anybody that's listening to this. And I'm very grateful to have today with me uh, all the way from Maryland, um, I believe, right, Marvel? Yeah. Yep. Marvel Martin. What's up, Marv? Thank up. you for being here, man. Thank you, y'all. Thank you for having me. Um, hearing how you came across that that post is actually crazy to me because um, before that was a carousel of photos that you could swipe through with a TikTok video. And as oh. I always do, I'm, I was just doing research on how to create content, you know, how to market. And I was listening to, uh, I forgot her last name, but her name is Nikki. She's like this... Uh, kind of like a social media kind of expert. She suggested doing carousels of stories. So then I went to the TikTok and I took the screenshots. I made a post and I was like, you know, this is basically a story of growth. So just hearing how that worked out and how you came across it is, is crazy. I'm like, okay, no doubt. That's dope. But um, yeah, man, um, pleasure, uh, honor to be here, man. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, could, I could start from the, the 2016 portion and, and, you know, kind of, I guess, give you my perspective of what it was going down that moment uh, however you you know you want, want me to go go about oh, yeah. it <laughs> yeah man. Well, well first and foremost again i appreciate you being here my g it's real cool to have you i was very much looking forward to this conversation because and you know mostly because i want to provide value to to all the people listening to this but also wanted to learn man i wanted to take some knowledge myself so i can start applying it into my life man take me back to to you know I, I did a little research on my end to kind of get to know you a little bit from my understanding, yeah. you were born in the Bronx, and now you're yeah, in Maryland. Yeah. So yeah. talk to me before we kind of bring it to Maryland. What was your experience like growing up in the Bronx, man? I love the East Coast. I love New York, man. Yeah, yo, I, yo so basically how, how that portion of my life happened was I was I was born in the Bronx. So about really young, really, really young. So I, I barely remember much of the Bronx. And I moved to Westchester County, New Rochelle, New York. And that's where I really did like all my develop developmental years and stuff like that. So, um, but you know, New Rochelle, New York is literally a hop, skip and a jump from the five boroughs. So all the cultural influence, you already know, all the events, just everything New York just bleeds over into Westchester County. And actually a little bit back forward uh, the other way, as we as you probably don't know, but Westchester County has places like Mount Vernon, where you got like DMX from, you got Yonkers, we got D Block coming from, you know what I'm saying? You got uh also um gonna go back to like uh Pete Rock, you know what I'm saying? Um and the list goes on, man, of all, all the blues um coming out of Westchester, New York and that New York City influence. Um so, you know, in, in New Rochelle, super eclectic place is literally the same thing as being in New York, just all kinds of people. Um uh, New Rochelle, New York actually has like, um, to me, I think one of the best like school systems as far as extracurriculars that you can do from sports 
art, um, all kind of reaches of academia for real. So living there was definitely was a uh, man. Uh, it was it was everything, honestly. Uh, and I had I'm, I'm one of five siblings. I'm the middle child. You know what I'm saying? So I had the whole the whole big family experience, um, you know, the, with, with the New York vibe, Jamaican family. So my parents are Jamaican. And um, yeah, man, I started playing uh, violin uh, when I was like seven years old. My older sister started taking lessons first. Um, I thought it was cool. Um, that, that's really like the, the, the genesis of this whole thing. <laughs> for real, for real. Um, and yeah, so, you know, Basically, it goes. I kept playing. Um, I took lessons. Uh, my teacher thought I was kind of a natural at it, so that kind of inspired me to keep going. Um, an awesome woman. Her name was Mary Barton. Uh, she lived like a little north in Westchester, in a place called Mamaroneck at the time. And my dad used to drive us over there to take lessons and stuff. So, um, what you call it? Uh, you know, I was playing in high school. All the all the orchestras. You know, what I'm saying elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, I had like my first solo. I remember in fifth grade <laughs> um, uh, for orchestra, this like concert. I'll never forget it. And that really like that that experience stuck with me so much. I kept like just going with the violin. It's funny because a lot of my closest friends who um, got to like high school, um, they didn't know I really would play the violin like that. It's kind of like this thing that I just did. And I had from being from from being young. But you know, most people that when I got older started knowing me more for like uh, playing football and, and, and theater and school. I used to act in theater and art. Well, I was I was a huge visual artist before I was a musical artist. Like I designed my friends' tattoos and stuff like that. Like I was, yeah, yeah, it was like that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, um, and <laughs> I, I I one of my, my to this day, my right hand man. Um, you know, I, I call my cousin friend, you know what I'm saying? We all got that friend. Um, my boy, John Force, he put me on to um, to making beats because uh, as I was um, getting it more into like hip hop, as like going from middle school to like high school, I started knowing, uh, you know, like real old school hip hop. That's when I really started getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I fell in love with the beats. I used to beatbox in high school, but like the Freestyle Fridays when my boy would rap and he'd be battling people. I would just, I would just drop the beat. You know what I'm saying? I was nice at it. <laughs> so um, hey. I started making beats. Um, when I was like 16, you know what I'm saying? But I never, ever combined a violin with the beats. Like, I didn't do it, like, for a long ass time. Long ass time. Like, not till, like, so I started making beats at 16. Um, not till, like, I, like, dropped out of my first college. So we're talking, like, 22, 23. So it's like I, I was I was making beats and playing violin separately for like a seven year stretch before I even combined the two like that. But um, I, I my my sister who inspired me to play. She uh, she stopped playing eventually after high school. She's more of like a dancer. That's her first inspiration as a dancer. So she did that. And I, I ironically kept playing. Um, but after high school, when I went to college. Um, I stopped playing completely. I actually stopped playing for about five years, from like eighteen to like twenty-three. I ain't, I didn't, I didn't pluck a string, nothing. You know what I'm saying? So it was crazy how, in like 2015, 2016, when I picked it back up, I only picked it back up because my uh, my girlfriend, who's not my fiance, she bought me my first electric violin when I in like 2015, 2014, and that made me kind of be like, damn, I gotta like use this amazing gift so i was like let me pick this violin up and start playing with it 
and I did a I did a street show with um, my independent label that I'm with. It's just it's my brother and my uh, my other right hand man Jesse Scott, my brother um, uh, Kalen Len Lama. Um, he goes by Ida Lama. He shoots a lot of videos. He's, he's super dope. That's how much more of his focus right now with the videos. And uh, Jesse Scott, he's a dope rapper and songwriter. And we both have, we all three of us have this label called Thirty Knife Records. Mm-hmm. And um, we did a street show, like a street kind of street show tour. Like we literally, um, we went from like New York. Uh, I had my violin, the speakers, the beats, they had the mics, and we would just we was in you know Grand Central. We was in um, Times Square. We was in went down to Philly, and we was right down on Market Street, and, and like, right in front of the Hard Rock Cafe, and then we went down to Baltimore. We was on the pier. We went down to DC. We was on the like we was just hitting up the whole like Northeast Coast, just literally in the street, just playing. And it was it was so dope. And we did that for like pretty much a summer. And um, I remember I was uh, it was like a couple of years later. Like I didn't do it again really after that. But I was in between jobs because um, I was in college studying architecture at University of DC at the time. That's the whole reason why I even came down here. So after I had got my got myself together in New York, finished that community college degree. Came out here and um, I went to pursue studying architecture at the University of DC. So I was doing that. Like I said, I wasn't really playing, but um, I had an internship, a dope internship. But I had some situation with my car, my license, and all that stuff. So my license started to get got suspended, and I had to like send the plates back to New York and all this stuff. But long story short, I had to sell the car, lost the job. So I'm in between jobs. I'm like, all right, let me let me think of something to do. In the meantime, just to bridge, just to bridge the gap until I get a new job. So I was like, damn, I remember that that time I had the street with my boys and I had the violin and we were making good tips. I was like, let me just go out there solo, you know, with some of my beats and see what I could do. So I, I went up on the street. I think one of the first places I played at was Silver Spring, Silver Spring, Maryland. And that's like, um, ironically, Silver Spring is like literally what New Rochelle where I, where I grew up at, New Rochelle to New York City, that's what Silver Spring to D.C. kind of is. So it's kind of funny how I started in a very similar place in New Rochelle, but in Maryland. And yeah, man, I, you know, I, was, I was making great tips on the street. Like, at the, I, I, it got to the point where I was like, there's no point in me even getting a job, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was just out there um, doing my thing. And yeah, like, so one random ass Tuesday afternoon at like 1 p.m. on a day I didn't even feel like going out there to play. I kind of dragged myself out there to play that day. And uh, this, this this probably big <laughs> Muslim dude came up and he was just vibing. Like, that's how people do when I'm playing on the street. They vibe out, you know, they throw a tip in the bucket, mm-hmm. maybe chop it up, whatever. And he's just there vibing for a minute. And then he he asks he asks me to start playing some like MMG stuff like uh, like Wale and Rick Ross, Bill, yeah. yeah, Rick Ross, all that. So I was I was like, why he asked me that? That's that's really specific. So <laughs> honestly, so I'm like, whatever, I'm a, I'm gonna play. So I started playing some joints, doing what I do. And then finally, he was like, you know, he he showed me his Instagram. It was like, yeah, man, I'm 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 a bodyguard for Wale. You know what I'm saying? Like I I could I think you should I should like but you connect you with Wale, you know, and uh, I think you, you know, match with the, the, the vibe. You should, you should play with them. I was just like, what? For real? You know what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, that's crazy. Okay. And, you know, we exchanged information and, you know, I didn't hear from him for like six months. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was a long ass time. 
um, it was so while I had met him, I'm on a second the summer on the street. And by December of 2016, I got that call, or that text, I think it was a text. Like, yo, we're getting ready to do the New Year's Eve show that Wale was doing yearly. He did, he did it for like, I think, 10 years straight, I think. I could be wrong, eight or 10. And I, this is, I must have been on year like six or seven, I've been doing it. So, um, yeah, he invited me out to, to rehearse with the band. It was like some, some, uh, some big rehearsal space out there in College Park by the University of Maryland. And we over there uh, rehearsing. Um, and, you know, I met Wale and everything like that. I'm playing with the band, everybody's vibing, you know, they, they fucking with me, you know what I'm saying? So it was cool. And I was just like, all right, bet. So I, I rehearsed with them for a week straight, man, you know what I'm saying? And the show came on New Year's on New Year's of 2017. It was a sold out show, Silver Spring, Maryland. And um, yeah, man, that 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 took it to a whole new level. A whole, whole new level. And I, yeah, man, I, I haven't really been on the sh- on the street playing in like three years for real. But I've been doing you know, basically professionally full time, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, weddings, birthdays, corporate events, um, playing on people's actual records, producing records, uh, the whole nine, man, just, you know what I'm saying? Everything. So I'm just blessed for all the experiences I had as far as like learning to play the violin, knowing how to handle music production programs and how to mix a song and, you know, having my little business degree. So I was able to move, you know, well enough as a business to make it to make it flow. It's just crazy how every little piece of my past like finally came together in this time, and it's just like you know what I'm saying now it's just smooth sailing for real. Like it's it's crazy, man. I, it's it's definitely a surreal feeling every day. Real, real. Man, that's that's mad ill, bro. On some real shit, like hearing that story and just the full rundown, the full scope of what happened. That shit goes <laughs> crazy, man, because. <laughs> I'm sitting there listening to you, man, and I'm just like, damn, how everything just kind of like came into place, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you yeah. went through that rough period, but you kind of, from from the sounds of it, you kind of went back to your passion, which is it safe to say that yeah. playing playing your, your music and, and creating music is, is a place where you find like really great moments of happiness? Absolutely. 100%. 100%, man. Especially at that time when it happens, um, everything about it is so divine. Um, I was just about to finish that degree, basically, when this all happened. And like I said, I was I was struggling, like struggling. Like, I mean, Bills was not on time <laughs> at all. You know, the, the usual broke college, broke college student, you know, vibe, mm-hmm. you know, single parent trying to help out type of thing. You know what I'm saying? So, um like I said, I had just lost this job, which ironically was like the best job I could have had. It was literally a paid internship. So I'm just like, at the no, now I got no car. I had a I had a car for like the first three years of college. Now I got to bust my ass my senior year without a car, you know, trying to make everything work, get, you know, public transit for like two hours just to get to school and come back. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, a, it was a challenge for real. Mm-hmm. Like I would literally bring my violin with me, books, and my speaker to school every day because I knew after the class I was going to the street. You know what I'm saying? So it was that kind of hustle. So like, I don't know when it when it happened for real. Like I said, on top of it, I I, I knew I always wanted to do music. The whole architecture thing was you know to make mom mom happy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, got, I did that. Um, <laughs> when I got out the way finally, I, I was the grad school thing was on the, was on the table. You know what I'm saying? I was I was thinking about the whole thing of trying to take it out more loans and all this stuff like that. And I was just like, 
I don't even think I really want to do architecture like that. And I was really good. Like I graduated at the top of my class, no lie. I was top of my class in architecture for 2017, UDC architecture department. I was really like one of two people left from freshman year. Ironically, the class was like 15 people in freshman year. Two people graduated. I was one of those two. You know what I'm saying? Like that. So my my professor wanted me to go to grad school. He was like, you would be a, a, a good architect. You should go to grad school and do that. But I was like, you know, I finally have gotten this degree that I was chasing for like eight years. I dropped out of NYU Polytech. That's why I went straight out of high school the first year. I dropped out because I found more of my passion for music. Mm-hmm. And so it was a whole process of going to, you know, a community college to get my credits up then be able to transfer to another school, that whole thing. That's why it took eight years to finally do this bachelor's degree. So when I was done, I was like, yo, I've never had a moment in my life where I got to spend 100% of my focus and time on music. I've never done that, like never ever done that. So I was like, I feel like I finally earned earned it to do that. <laughs> so I was like, yo, I'm, I'm not gonna do grad school. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna just, I'm not even gonna go get another architecture job because the Wale concert happened my last semester of my senior year. So it was literally like, it was like life is showing you like, you did, you, you landed this opportunity by only using like 50% of your effort <laughs> because you were literally spending all of the time with studying architecture. Right. So it was right. like, it's like, now it's like, I had to, I had to kind of jump off the cliff a little bit. Cause I was like, yeah, I got this opportunity. The money's not here yet. I'm giving a lot of attention and stuff like that, but it's like it's just, it's a, it was a little bit of a gamble, you know what I'm saying? I was I mean, like, imagine hey, if I'm you a- go full fledged at it, right? If you go 100 percent all in, like, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm thinking yeah. of myself the whole time. Like I've done the whole, even the Tory Lanez thing happened while I was at NYU Polytech studying civil engineering. Like mm-hmm. all these things happened when I was like kind of one foot in, one foot out. So I'm like, yo, let me just go two feet in for the first time in my life, man. Like, like let me just do it and greatest decision I've made in my life, man. <laughs> like, pretty that happened in 2017. So everything post-2017 in that post is all, you know, me making that decision of like, yo, I'm doing music full-time. Then mm-hmm. Fox 5 happens. Then NPR Tiny Desk happens. Then being in a movie happens. <laughs> it's just like, wow, this is crazy. This is crazy, man. So, yeah, man, that's 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 kind of like how it all happened to where I, where I am today. And I feel like jumping off that cliff a little bit back then, like, and building the parachute on the way down was like, <laughs> was, was the way to go. Yeah. Well, well, they say, man, in life, sometimes you just got to go all in, man, and see where that takes you, nice. man. And it sounds like from your story, you did that and it paid off, man. And it's continuing to pay off because not only are you making a living off of it and doing well, but you're also in love with it because it's your passion. It was like, it's your gift and you're, yeah. you're sharing your gift right now. I want to break down everything you kind of just said right there, like from Tory Lane's moment to working with Rakim to working, not, not in that specific mm. order, but I want you to, man, take us to that time, man. And just kind of, you know, let's, let's start with the Tory Lane's thing because Tory Lane, like I told you off air, one of my favorite artists, mm. man. So how did that come to come about? Man, that was an interesting, interesting situation. Um, so, Coming out of high school, maybe I had been making beats for like two years. I had just decided I'm gonna make it serious now. So I was like, I'm gonna start trying to like promote my beats. So I'm a freshman at NYU Polytech. I'm also I also tried out for the basketball team. I made it. I was playing D three basketball at NYU Polytech. So like what I would do was 
go to class, go to practice, go home, make beats, go to sleep. No homework. I didn't do nothing. I was just like, I was wilding, honestly. I was bugging. But I'm like, you know, you're 18, you're living in downtown Brooklyn by yourself, you know what I'm saying, on, on these school loans, <laughs> just by yourself, you know, left to your own devices. I was like so unfocused and I was wilding. But all that work ended up somehow getting into, I think, either Tori himself or his manager. Long story short, I remember somebody contacted me for Beats. Um, the deal never really went through at the time. Of course, I'm 18. I barely even know what I'm doing. I'm like offering the smallest amount for these Beats. You know what I'm saying? I'm just happy for the opportunity. Um, I don't remember everything really going through like that, for real, to be honest. But I, I swear, like it was like four or five months later, man. And like, it's the middle of class, and I get a text from one of my friends, and like, yo, I'm listening to this mixtape, bro. I know this is one of your beats because people knew me for making beats. I used to make beats and throw them out on YouTube and Facebook and SoundCloud. So people, like my friends, they really started knowing, not even like friends, people I went to high school with, like, they just knew from my stuff. So, I, so this kid that was high school, he hit me up, was like, yo, I'm t- I know this is one of your beats, man. Like, I've heard this joint before. So he sent me this mixtape, and it's Tony Lane's on the joint, right? And at the time, I hadn't heard of Tory Lanez like that. So I started listening to his music, like just listening to that music. I'm like, oh, this is really, he's actually dope. He's actually fire. And so I hit him up on Twitter. So like, we started talking on Twitter and all that stuff like that. And like, it's, it's, it's like three or four songs that he did. And the first three he put on like, a, oh, you can't even find this mixtape online no more. It was called like Accordion. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm trying to think. And then the next joint with the Thank You Mama was on this uh, Mr. Peterson mixtape. And he did that one with, I think, DJ Webstar. And uh, I don't think it was Ill Web. I think it was Webstar. That one did really well. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, that Thank You Mama, at least on YouTube, I know it was up there around like 150. The His post of it, like, it was like around 150 views, 150,000 views in like the first like month of it dropping or something yeah. like that. It was, it was dope. It was, it was making waves. And like I said, people... After that, people was just like hitting me up, like, "Oh snap! Like I heard you on the toy mixtape, or in the toy mixtape." This is like, I was in school. This as the first like sign from God was like, "Yeah, if you want to do this music thing, you can." But this is this is way early in the story when I was even thinking of jumping off the cliff yet. So I'm still in NYU Poly, you know, doing my thing, uh, just just essentially slowly dropping out because <laughs> I'm just not doing any work. I'm going to class barely, but I'm in my dorm just making beats like. And then I started meeting people in the city, like the point guard of the basketball team that started over me. Um, he put, he actually introduced me to one of his boys who was like a, like a pretty uh, skilled engineer, audio engineer. And basically that was how I learned how to start mixing. It was just, it was just the basic of mixing a song. Like I, I, after I met him and I used to, you know, at nighttime, I would take the train going to Queens, go to his place. He had a little setup like, just like I have it now, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy even thinking about it now. I'm just like, yo, I remember I dreamed about having a setup like this, like when I saw his joint. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, it's crazy. Just look at this right now. Like, yo, I remember that day. I thought it was so dope. Like, had the speakers and like the mic in the closet and all the padding. I was just like, oh, this is dope, bro. This is dope. So I got the bug, man. It was over. Like, classwork, it was a wrap. I was none of that. I was just trying to learn about this music. Like, I got to learn. Like, nah, what does this do? What does that do? What does this do? What does that do? I was, I was going crazy. So, through him, I met a rapper who was buying beats from me named Rello, still one of my good friends to this day. And yeah, man, um, just the whole 
uh, Tory Lanez thing mixed with just meeting a lot of dope artists and people like thought of me just just sort of pulled me away from this whole civil civil engineering thing that I was kind of like convincing myself I wanted to do. And, um, you know, I ended up getting academically suspended from NYU Polytech after the first year, you know, GPA was like 1.0, some shit, some crazy shit like that. And so the next, the following semester, I was at the crib. I was back in New Rochelle, you know what I'm saying? Just basically trying to figure out what I'm trying to do. Obviously, my, my mother's pissed, you know what I'm saying? Of course, like, you know, it was basically school loans down the drain, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, just starting to deal with more real life shit, you know what I'm saying? As you finally leave in high school, at least for me, I know, I know some people deal with way real life shit earlier than that, but for me, that's why, as far as like being a man for yourself, understanding like your decisions, how they impact shit, it started to like really come in around that age, around 18, 19. But um, that Tory Lanez thing, it, it sparked so much for me. Cause like, like I said, I, I was only really making beats for two years. And then I just decided to get kind of serious with it and put it online and put a brand, a Marvelous Beats brand out there and mm-hmm. start running with it. So when I went back home, back in the Rochelle, that's why I started this, I started this, uh, this group. Uh, I was like, all right, since I'm home, school thing's not happening. Um, until I get myself registered at community college to try and do this thing again, let me, uh, let me try to set up this studio I see in my head in my mom's basement. So I was in my mom's basement at like 19, freshly dropped out of college, you know, got a little job at Radio Shack. And um, that was like my, that was my spot. I was at Radio Shack for like four straight years, man. Like, my mom was like, you didn't get a job, you ain't living here. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So I got a job back then. And I was all to do. I go to work, come home. I have my boys come over at night, man. We'd be up to like 4 a.m., man, just making beats, writing raps. And then finally out of all my boys that was coming through, it was obviously my brother, Jesse, John Forrest, my boy who put me on to even make how to make beats. Um, that's one other story. Um uh Johnny Loveless, um, that's my boy. He's a, he like makes uh like, like unique clothes now. He lives in New York City. He's really dope actually. He like designs like like old he takes like uh I explain it like uh, okay, he takes like stuff from like um value places where you kind of donate stuff and he makes like these really cool like figurines and clothes and jackets it's, it's, he's super yeah. talented but um just all my super eclectic talented boys just we made this group called i9 and we started making music and art together and like that was kind of like my boot camp on like producing mm-hmm. you know what i mean so like taking all these talents voices and styles and trying to put together cohesive songs and projects it was like it was i did that for like three years straight out my mom's basement, like driving her crazy, you know what I'm saying? Basically with the noise and, you know, I was coming in smelling like weed. It was just like, you already know, man. So it was like, um, so yeah, man, that was the next step with that. Um, so all while I'm in the boot camp, you know, in the basement, in my mom's basement, it was, it became the spot. Um, I was, I went back to the community college, trying to take on the strike at this. I, I, I attempted doing architecture for a little bit, but at the, at the community college in Westchester, but Classes were so slow and so easy. I knew all the stuff that was making me bored. So then I was like, I, I'm, I know I want to do something with music. I know my mom is really cool with me, <laughs> focusing on music in school. She wants me to get like a profession, like a, a thing. So I was like, all right, let me find a happy medium. I was like, let me try to do a business. So I was like, I'm going to do business administration and business management, like some business finance. Mm-hmm. So I kind of took all those kind of classes 
and it took me about three years to finish this like business associate's degree and actually like bang that out. So, you know, by that time, you know, me and the boys, we had like mixtapes out. We had done a few little, put together a little bit of shows and stuff like that. Like we had made a little name for ourselves. It was called I and I Tribe at the time. But, um, you know, the wind, the, the, the winds of change were, were coming through. You know what I'm saying? I had just finished this bachelor's degree and I know my mom was still pushing me like, yeah, you got this little, not bachelor's, I got this little associate's degree. She's like, yeah, you got this associate's, but you gotta go get this bachelor's, man, and you know, go finish that up, you know, what you started. And I'm just like, at the time, you know what I'm saying, I, I'm, I'm moving and shaking a lot in New York. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm getting in trouble. I'm getting arrested. I'm doing, you know, all type of stuff. So she's like, you just need to get out of New York. You need to take a break, you know what I'm saying? So um, I started applying to schools like outside of New York. Like, oh my, 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 my older sister, the one who, was playing violin first before me. She at the time had already went to DC and was living in DC because she went to American University out there, out here. So I was like, let me try and apply to some schools in DC since I already got a sister out there. You know what I'm saying? So I applied to some schools, got into UDC, and that's when I was like, I made the decision. So like, in order to finish my associate's degree, I had to take like a whole bunch of like summer classes. So like, I finished the degree like August like seventh, and then like. August like 15th, I was already <laughs> packing my stuff to move to DC to make it on time for the semester out there. So like, you know, basically the whole I and I thing was already kind of starting to break away, not for any bad reasons, just like <clears throat> my group at the basin was centered around music, but everybody had other talents. Like like I said, my boy Johnny Loveless, he liked to design and make clothes. My boy John Forrest, he loved cars and photos. My boy, um, my brother Len Lama, he loved doing videos. So they started one. They started wanting to focus on things outside of music more. So, what happened was uh, we kind of like minimized the group. So there's three of us: it was me, my brother, and Jesse, whose focus was at the time just rapping and doing music anyway. And then we became Third and Ninth, who we might see on like a lot of my stuff now. Third and Ninth Records is the is basically the independent label I kind of I rock with, where it's me, my brother, and Jesse. We help each other with everything from creating the music to doing administration stuff like splits and royalties and you know registering with PROs and all that fancy stuff for the music business so yeah we just all kind of help each other and um so I came out here and all this time you know what I'm saying and through basement community college with a business degree going to DC I'm not playing violin at all like I'm not I haven't played nothing like this wow. is going on three four five years now I haven't mm-hmm. played at all after, after high school, after that last day of orchestra, <laughs> senior year, like two weeks before graduation, I never played another, another another note. I don't know why. Guess I didn't have the incentive. I stopped taking lessons, private lessons, because I, I traded that time to play football. I, um, I wasn't going to study music in college. Um, they didn't, I wasn't going to join an orchestra or anything like that, so I just stopped playing. I'm like, I don't need to play. So I put it to the side for like half a decade, and like I said, Got to UDC. Um, um, my girlfriend, who's now my fiance, we had met back in New York. We went to high school together, um, but we got back together when I came out to DC because she was out here too. <laughs> so um, it was like my second or third year out here. She got me an electric violin as a gift. Just like I mean, she was heard me just talking about how I used to play the violin. Mm-hmm. It was just crazy. So. It was it was so crazy because I didn't talk about it a lot. So her, for her to have heard that in conversation and actually go get one was crazy to me. I remember when I got that, I was like, I 
I remember, t- I remember like, as I'm looking at it, I remember saying like, yo, I remember in passing, I told you I've always wanted an electric violin. Wow. And like, I didn't think it was like, I didn't make an intent to be like, oh, I want this as a gift. It was just like, oh yeah, in passing, I was like, yeah, you just play violin. I listen to violin, it's so dope. I know it'd be really cool if I had one, keep going about my day, you know? Mm-hmm. And then on my birthday, there's an electric violin. I'm just like, yo, this is crazy. So like, that's what started me kind of like starting to get back a little bit into the violin. And that third knife, my, my boys, uh, my brother, Jesse Scott, we did that little, you know, street show tour with the violin. I just got and everything like that. And that was a dope experience. So, you know, I did that in the summer. I think that was like the summer of going from my sophomore year at UDC into junior. I think so. And then like, you know, this still wasn't really playing like that. I was just kind of messing around with it. Then by my senior year, this is like, 2016, 2017. That's why I started hitting the streets with it because I needed the need the money and all that stuff like that. And man, it just turned into this whole thing. Like it turned into this whole whole thing. Like it's crazy. And so yeah, there's so many moving parts of the story. So I know sometimes I, I talk about it, I know it's probably hard as hell to follow, but it's like <laughs> it really is this is how it happened. It's just mad, just weird divine stuff flowing. No, I, I get it, man. I get it. You tell it very well, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the real cool part is that, like, okay, I got I got a few questions, man, hearing you talk. Because <laughs> I know, you know, uh, uh, sometimes the pressure from a parent can really kind of, you know, do something to you. And, you know, you mentioned that moms wanted you to do architecture and stuff like that. But earlier on you realized you had a gift even I think your music teacher told you you had a gift which is why you continue to pursue it so when you were in that space where you know you were kind of studying architecture in college and stuff like that did you like like did you was there ever any time where you kind of were like man I, I missed the violin or did it just was it really all just divine timing like how you know your your current fiance or your fiance right now like brought the uh, electric uh, violin to you and everything like that? and Or was was there anything like inkling in you like that kind of made you want to get back to that on your own? Or was it really the universe just bringing it right back to you? Man, I was, it was always producing, never the violin. It was just- You were, just you were in make... music. You were in music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I mean like, as far as like that angst to grab my violin and play while I'm studying arch- architecture, mm-hmm. instead of violin, it was just- producing beats in general that's all i wanted to do like so violin wasn't really in my mind i'm i'm doing architecture i'm like man i wish i could go home and make a beat i wish i could go home and mix this song it wasn't oh i wish i could go home and play my violin that's what it was i was thinking i was just like yo because one of my real passion to be honest above playing violin is making beats like i love producing and like writing songs and uh that's what i really love i just so happen to be a producer that can play violin. I'm not a violinist that makes beats. You know what I'm saying? So it's, a, it's like a, it's funny because the violin is so prominent in my brand just because like what you were insinuating that the universe has started giving it to me and started like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right, I'm, this is a, this is an ingenious way to get open the door to what I really want to do anyway. So I took it serious. So I started really digging into playing the violin. So, you know, that's kind of what it was like, I feel like I go so hard with the violin because I know how many doors is opened for me to make music full time period. So it's like, 
that was always the goal, you know, always the goal. Yeah, that's dope. It's so unique, man. And, you know, you, you kind of gave me an insight as to how you came across picking up the violin through your sister and everything like that. But what specifically about the violin, what attracts you about that instrument versus any other instrument, would you say? No, that's a great question, man. Um, I think at the time, I guess I could break it down by times. So it's probably like three different times where it's like when I was younger, when I was like a teenager versus now. So when I was younger, what drew me to the violin was simply my sister was playing it. <laughs> like I was one of those little brothers that followed his little sister around all the time. Like she had glasses, I wanted glasses. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it was that kind of thing. And she was doing it and I think I generally did think it looked cool and sounded cool. And like I said, my sister was doing it. So I'm like, yo, let me, let me do it too. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna try it. And I ended up trying it and just out of dumb luck, I was a natural at it. <laughs> it was it was weird. So, you know, when I got to be a teenager though, and I started playing, I started to realize the the spaces that playing violin was was putting me in. Mm-hmm. Um obviously being a young dude, I loved the fact being in an orchestra with like twenty girls and like three guys, you know what I'm saying? The ratio <laughs> was always in my favor. So I was like, dude, I'm loving this. Like, are you kidding me? And I'm good at playing violin. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> I loved it. It was, it was so much fun. It was automatic, bro. It was, yeah. it was it was a lot of fun. I'm not gonna lie. And I took advantage of it sometimes. Like my orchestra teachers are usually really nice people. <laughs> so like I wouldn't I didn't be a complete asshole, but like, you know, I'd be late to class and stuff like that. And like, but because I was so good, I could sit down and just play the song real quick and everything's okay. You know what I'm saying? So it was just fun. And to me, it was just like, okay, life is easy. This is an easy A. I'm enjoying myself being um, this one dude. But then as I got older, I didn't think of it this as this way when I was younger or when I was a teenager. But as I got older, it wasn't just being a dude. It was really being a black dude. And I started to realize like, oh, there's another layer to this. You know what I'm saying? I started to get older and say the world wasn't like people really... Hadn't I thought I didn't, like I said I didn't think of it myself till I thought about it. I was like oh yeah I don't usually see at least in the media black people playing the violin <laughs> you know what I'm saying so like when I saw the Riz was this thing and this is I'm now I'm talking about now I'm talking like in the, in the last like five years of me really realizing like okay being black and talented at playing an instrument like the violin and then mixing that with like, black cultural music is like this crazy phenomenon now like you know what I'm saying so. Yeah, um, now I feel like I'm also playing it, obviously, because it's my professional service that helps me live my life. And and then there's a whole other side of it where I'm like, wow, I didn't realize how many people I'm inspiring and touching. Like, the some of the conversations I used to have on the street, man, but like, white businessmen, uh, little Indian kids, uh, Asian teenagers, um, white hipster girls it's just like everybody man it was just not a single demographic that didn't like didn't connect with you know what i'm saying and then of course the young black kids who was just to see who was seeing you could like the way they just be looking like it's like they almost couldn't believe it type thing and like i it was it's always crazy when parents come up to me and say like, like the kids want to play now you know what i'm saying like oh they saw you playing like they won't stop asking about getting them a violin and they want to try lessons and stuff, stuff like that. Like, 
my daughter's uh, uh, my daughter's cousin, my 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 niece in law, she picked up the violin now. You know what I'm saying? It's wow. it's just it's crazy. <laughs> you know, what I'm it's crazy. Like I didn't plan for any of this. Like I didn't say I wanted to be like this black violin playing icon guy. Like I never wanted to be that, but it's it's humbling as hell. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To to be in this kind of position and um you know people people ask me all the time if i do lessons and like i i thought about it for a little while um but then it came down to economically the time um taking away the time versus uh you know uh, my my current rate for things that i do um i feel like i feel like i'm better and this is what i do now is i have an amazing network of violinists in the area who are super talented too i just forward all the students to them so at least I can be a conduit for these people who are interested to at least get the, get lessons from talented violinists who are also African American, which is even doper. So you know, um, yeah, man, it's, and, you know, I, I've done the whole thing of going to schools, you know, playing in schools too, and talking to kids, um, which I've been invited to do, and that that's always surreal because I remember being in high school and like we got a visitor today. And, you in the auditorium and it's just like, oh snap, who's you know saying some dude or some girl who does something dope and you're just like, oh wow. And like I remember being in the audience and being that dude now that goes to the school and talks to kids, it's like, I'm just like, me? Oh, this is crazy. Like this is so strange. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. Um I'm starting to accept it more nowadays. Um I I, I don't like being called like a C list celebrity or anything like that. Like I don't really see myself a celebrity, but um you know, it's, it's cool to be well known. Like, I'll leave it at that. Like, it's fine. Like, all I ever really wanted to do on the side of, like, you know, fame and fortune was just simply to be respected as, like, uh, um, like as, like, a legendary producer. You know, I loved guys like Pharrell and Kanye and Timbaland and Knife Wonder and Quincy Jones and Rob David Foster and Clive Davis, uh, Maurice White from Earth, Wind & Fire. Like, I loved how much, like, you know, respect those names got. You know, DJ Premier, and I, well, I can go on forever, man. Like, oh my, my favorite producer is Kanye, and you know what I'm saying. So, like, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be respected like that. Like, as long as all of this brought that, I was happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's always been the 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 goal. So it's like all this other stuff that's around. It's kind of funny because it's not so focused on it. I'm not. It's not so obvious that. All I'm trying to do is not exactly what you're seeing. <laughs> so it's interesting. But um, yeah, man, um, at each stage of my life, the violin had a different draw to it. If you to answer the question fully. So when I was a kid, my sister, when I was a teenager, it was just fun and attention. And now it's almost like purpose. You know what I'm saying? Now it's more purpose. That's that's amazing that you said that and you finished off what you said right there with that because as you were speaking, I was I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, you are a prime example of what it means when you lean into your gift, your your natural God-given ability, or like your your natural gift, and everything else yeah. just seems to fall into place. And I think uh, yeah. you know, I think I think a lot of us, man especially myself too, for sure. When we don't know what our gift is, we tend to try a lot of different things. And, you know, that can sometimes lead to frustration, sometimes lead to impatience, sometimes leads all sorts of different things that we kind of don't necessarily desire. 
But when you find what it is that you you have a natural gift and talent at, and you kind of just pour in and you went all in on yours, even in those moments of frustrations, even in those moments of like difficulty and stuff like that. And to see where you've come and how it just all tied together full circle and it's continuing to unfold more and more every day. That's amazing. And I think anybody that <laughs> hears your story and continues to follow your progress, they can gather that. Cause that's truly what I'm getting, man. Because I'm just like, man, okay, damn. I, Cause I really feel like every one of us on God's green earth, we all have something specific to give to this life, to this world. And when you find yes. it and you, and you, you just really pour into that. You really learn how to, you know, uh, just cultivate that more and more every day. And you give that gift to the world. All that other stuff that we'd be tripping about, don't. it's going to fall into place. Yeah, it's a fact. <laughs> it's a fact. I mean, in my, in my sense, it, it's, it happens. It's, 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 it's a mix of emotions when it starts to happen because it's almost disbelief, it's nervousness, and it's excitement. Right. And it's fear, <laughs> it's anxiety, <laughs> so it's a, it's it's a lot. Um, I I know I know it's funny getting to this, this 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 I guess point in my in, in the journey is like I t- I start to understand so many things that I never used to understand. Um, for example, being afraid of success, things like that, mm. and like, um, being afraid, for example, as a man to be a leader and be like a a, a family guy or like. Or as a business person to like really work for yourself 100%, like it's it's a lot of trusting yourself, uh, a lot of trusting faith, <laughs> a lot of just, um, you know, um, I'm a big deal with karma too, you know what I'm saying? I'm a big deal with karma, so it's like I, I always try to do unto what I would like, you know, would like done to me, you know what I'm saying? I, I've, I've seen it and I've experienced it myself where it's like things, like one, the world is way smaller and bigger than you think, it's weird. <laughs> and like it's funny how energy moves in this world man it's funny like so the things that i did out of the kindness of my heart back in the day just coming back seven eight nine years later and like perfect time is like the craziest thing and then like even on the flip side when i was younger doing things half-assed and cutting corners and seeing how that affected me down the line i was just like damn or not being honest with people, especially when it comes to relationships with um, uh, uh, romantic relationships and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, at some point, I realized that like energy and karma is real and you have to respect it. Um, so I just feel like my success in this one area of my life um, has taught me so much about life in general. And it reflects both ways as far as like just being really. Uh, it's really genuine in everything that you're doing, you know. Um, it's, it's just it's been so, man. There's been so many lessons on this on this journey. Um, that's why I say every day I wake up, it's just so surreal because it's just uh, there's no real manual for this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's um, it, it can be scary sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like if you would have told me, you know, ten years ago that I would have built all of this off of like four strings and a bow. You know what I mean? It's like you know, it's, 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 it's interesting, man. And, um, yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah, life now is interesting. I'm leaving it at that. I'm going to say it's interesting. I'm happy. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, the dream has already been attained. Like the whole goal was to be able to work for myself and just do music full time and not feel the stress of like splitting my time. And now, now that I already attained that goal literally like three years ago, you know, now everything's kind of like, 
I explain it. It's, it's, it's finding that next chapter It's growing, it's maintaining. Um, and it's, um, it's all icing on the cake too. I'm not going to lie. You know, it's a little icing on the cake and I, I'm happy about that because, um, I read a lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and some of the things that I suck at me, one of the books I was reading was like, just understanding when enough is enough and then going beyond that just for fun, just as a hobby, you know what I'm saying? Because just never essentially enough if you if you have to quantify enough by a number like a like a like a like a like a, a dollar amount or something like that mm-hmm. so um just really meditating and getting myself to the point of like you know yeah you don't have lambos and grammys right now but you have a lot right now and like just be really grateful and thankful for that and then have fun with whatever comes after that you know and that has been like one of the biggest things <laughs> right now for me I love that, man. I, I really, really do, man. And I can sense that about you. The the humility, the gratitude, the uh just the awareness of of the blessings that you have in your life. And and I can just sense that about your energy too, man. And I remember pre-recording, uh, I asked you how you're doing. You were said you said living a dream. And <laughs> you know, some sometimes people are sarcastic when they say that, but you're really doing it, man. Like, like you're really like <laughs> You've been the architect of your own life and you've created yeah, there you go. what Boom. you're doing there right you now, right? And and mm-hmm. and by you doing that, it just shows it can be done. It's inspiring, man, especially given the circumstances that you've had to go through. Now, yeah. let's talk about some of those moments of frustration, of impatience, of, of not knowing what's going to happen next, of, of <laughs> just really kind of those difficulties, those challenges, how, what kept you motivated during those times? How did you find ways to stay motivated and, and, and keep going, man? Um, one thing I think for sure was I was always ready for the worst possible outcome. Like when, I'm, I, I try to break that down. Um, when I came from New York to DC and like was gonna try to just do the whole thing, you know, living in my own place, doing the school thing, I re- and. And somehow I knew in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm going to figure out a way to get this music thing working. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And I kept it in the back of my head. And I was like, I'm willing. I literally said this before it even happened. I was like, I'm willing to live on the street. I'm not saying I have literally lived on the street, but I'm willing to be broke on the street to figure this out. I said that to myself when I came out here. And it was so funny when I found myself with no job, no car, broke on the street. <laughs> I was like, I was prepared for this, so let's go. Let's just get it. You know what I'm saying? It was like a challenge. Like, I think I was lucky when I was a, a younger kid that my dad was like super strict. And he instilled a lot of competitive nature in me. Like, he made me very competitive. I, I can't even pinpoint how he did it, but he just always challenged me and made me competitive. And I just feel like um, feeling the confidence along with the competitiveness. I always knew if my back's against the wall, like, I'm smart enough. I just have enough dumb faith to keep going. <laughs> so it's like, when you love something, man, like you're going to keep doing it. You know what I'm saying? And like, I, I find it hard to believe that you could be doing something that you love and trying to progress it, like actually trying to get better at it and nothing happens over time. Like, I feel like it's impossible if you do something every day with the intent of getting better at it, with the passion of the fact that you love it, like something has to happen. Like it just has to. Like 
the laws of the universe say it just has to happen. So I feel like that's what I always trusted. I was just like, man, like, I know I'm dope. I know I'm smart. I don't care that I'm broke on the street right now. I just know it's going to happen eventually. So, like, I would, I, I took the whole street thing to a new level. Like, I would actually have an Excel sheet at home. So every time I hit up different spots in D.C., I'd write down how much I made. And then after, like, a few months, I would see which spots made me the most money. You know what I'm saying? And then I would, like, go there. And, like, every time I came, I started going out there with CDs. Before I started actually getting my CDs manufactured and looking more professional, I would burn them myself and go out there, you know, see how much money I spent on buying CDs, how much I could charge for them. Like, I was really breaking this shit down. Like, I'm like, nah, I'm going to figure this shit out one way or another. And then I started finessing, like, okay, people love the covers. Uh, let me start showing some more of my own beats. So I started doing more beats. And then that's what made me start doing violin and beats. I'm like, I know people love my violin. I know a different group of people love my beats. I mean, it's got to be some kind of combination where my violin and beats can make sense. And there's got to be a group of people that love that. So now I'm servicing the community, getting people what they want. And I'm doing what I want to do. I love to do beats. So I just I just figured it out. And it's only really recently that I came across this this, this uh, brand idea that I'm so confident in, which is called Chilled Violin, which is taps back into the Chilled Low Hop thing um, and my beats. So I was just like, I think I really want to, I really have so much confidence in it. And like the first album that came out back in October is doing really well um, based on my standards of anything else I have released in the past. Like it's doing amazing. So I'm just like, okay, I want to keep doing this <laughs> for a pretty long time. And, you know, just, just thinking as a business as well as an artist is, is one of the keys, too, is, like, when your back is against the wall, it's kind of what you have to do. It's like, yeah, you're an artist, but you if you want to get out of this monetarily, you got to start thinking as a business, you know what I'm saying? So, like, when people on the street started finally asking me, hey, how much do you charge for, like, weddings and stuff like that, before I even did one, you know what I'm saying? I was just like, what's your budget? You know what I'm saying? we can do. And, like, start working from there and, like, that's when it really hit me off. I was like, okay, I can use this to finance my life and finance my passion. And um, I, I'm going a little bit off on a tangent, but uh, your question as far as like what really kept me going in the hard times was just like just an incredible amount of uh, passion, um, being competitive, just having that chip on your shoulder, not being afraid of it. You know what I'm saying? Like I've literally been an underdog my whole career. I'm like I'm I'm even talking like music. I mean sports. <laughs> I mean um, girls back in the day. Like I, I I'm used to that. You know what I'm saying? So like it, it helped. You know what I'm saying? Like my 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 armor is tough. My skin is tough. You know what I'm saying? So I can go out there and do what I got to do. But um, I think it's just a mixture of you just just knowing you just have that conviction in yourself. And I I, I said that point before of like being ready for the worst possible outcome, where it's like. If I don't make a cent off of this, I would still do it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if, you, if there's something like that that you love, then it's like, and then you work on getting better at that, man, it, no one's going to stop you. That's it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nobody's going to stop you, bro. That's, that's incredible, man. There's so much in what you just said right there that I picked up and agree with so much. And again, you're a living example of all that. And it's just so dope, man. And I'm I'm curious, man, just, just for my sake, uh, during that time when you were kind of doing the Excel spreadsheets and everything like that, that that's an amazing yeah. idea too, because, you know, a lot of times we'll kind of just go out there and do stuff and then, but you kind of, you really buckled down and you, you were like, okay, 
I'm I'm making this amount of money over here. I'm making more over mm-hmm. here. I'm gonna start shifting, you know, what I do and just really fine tuning and getting really granular yeah. with this stuff. So were you studying business at that time or did you already just have that kind of idea within you already? So before I moved out here to go to UDC and study architecture, and after I dropped out of my first school for um, NYU Polytech for engineering, I went to community college. And that's when I studied my business, like administration and business management. And like, I, I chose it for that reason. Cause like, I, I'm telling you, man, since I was, since I was young, I always knew I'm like, yo, just, just when I got that passion bug for music, I'm like, yo, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to use every resource I have to figure this out. So I, I picked business because I was like, yo, I want to do business, you know, so I want to do create a business out of my music. So if I can't do specifically music because my, my mom didn't think it was a great idea, not a profession, then I'll just kind of hide that in doing business like because it's professional, but I'm going to take everything from the business I'm learning and do it into music. So my first opportunity to really do that was three years later when I was broke on the street <laughs> and I was like, all right. I know you got to quantify a lot of shit in business in order for you to map something out and a plan. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that because I wanted to see, first of all, do I really have to get a job? So then I started writing down, okay, what's 30 hours times minimum wage for four weeks? Okay, how much did I wake in four weeks last month? Oh, that's a lot more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was the first step. Cut off the job. All right, cool. I know these are how much this is my expenses for the month of rent. Um, I know my credit cards this much. I know I spent this much for food. I know I need this much for taking the bus to get to school. And I quantify all that. Mm-hmm. And then I say, okay, how much money did I make in these four spots? All right, how many hours a week do I have to go play in these four spots so I could make my minimum? So now I started writing out my own work schedule out of playing on the street, just off averages. So now I'd make sure, okay, I need at least $20 today for this day. I need at least $20 for this day. I'm going to go out there for two hours. I need at least $50. And if I didn't hit my mark, I would stay up there for a little longer. You know what I'm saying? So after I started quantifying things and then started getting my life back together, man, like paying off credit cards and finally making enough to go lease my first car since selling my last, like, who do you have a car? And like, like, it was all very calculated, all very planned. You know what I mean? And I think each step, seeing like, okay, I got myself out of this rinky-dink room and finally got my a better room in a better place just off of like finally uh, quant- quantifying the plan. Okay, I finally paid off those uh, speeding tickets and whatever and got my license back. Okay, cool. Like as you keep chipping away, mm-hmm. you start to realize like, oh, okay, we, we on to something a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And then you just I, just, I just, I just, I just leveled up from there, man. I got a lot more cleaner. I started having business cards out there instead of just, I used to make sure I dressed somewhat presentable when I went out on the street. Um, I started just chipping away a little bit, just making it a little more fine. So it's like, at the end of the day, I'm on the street, but you know what I'm saying? A little bit of effort goes a long way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Having a little, oh my God. Okay. No, it was crazy. You know, it was game changing. I'll never forget this. And this is a this is a business lesson for sure. So when I started playing on the street, twenty sixteen, um, <clears throat> people didn't know what the fuck Cash App was. People didn't know what the hell Venmo was. 
people didn't people were just getting hit to PayPal. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I was just taking cash. And then I remember my now fiance had the great idea of like, yo, you should get a square card reader. So you can start taking credit cards on the street. I was like, ain't nobody gonna trust me with taking their credit card number on the street. Like, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> so I was like, but you know what I'm saying? She helped me at the time buy one. I went to the street and I started trying it out. And people was really like, they loved what I was doing so much. And the fact that I had even a product for them to buy that they was doing it. They were swiping, they were swiping. Like, that's when I was like, okay, this is crazy. So then I started, I made a sign. I always used to have a little sign that I had my Instagram. So now I started saying, okay, uh, credit visa, whatever, accepted mm-hmm. on the sign. So then people come up like, oh, let's see, you have a visa card accepted. I want to tip you or I want to buy one of your CDs. I have a card. And I started busting out the card reader. So then that started making my total on the street go up. You know what I'm saying? Like crazy. So then I was like, okay. Then I started seeing how people were getting hip to these like cash app, like like applications. Right. So then I was like, okay, I feel like you don't need a square card, Rick. I hate it. I have to stop playing, take this credit card, put it in my phone, take their <laughs> card, swipe it, have a five minute conversation, give it back to them, start playing again. And that's like 15 minutes gone for like, you know, one transaction. So I was like, all right, we gotta smooth it out. So then I was like, all right, let me just put my handles for these cash app signs and memos and stuff like that on the sign. And then I started doing that like 20, I'm, I was early, like, I'm like early. I was just so hip to like business stuff. Like people, even when I had the sign out there, people were like, what's cash at? What's Venmo? I remember that. I remember that, bro. <laughs> so it's crazy how now it's like adopted. Like everybody knows what that is. Now, if you don't have one, people look at you like, you're crazy. So like, I mean, I made that adjustment on the street with the sign and like, you know, getting a more efficient speaker. Like it was just so funny how I was taking this so-called beggars you know, job of being on the street and making it like fine tuned professional almost like going from like, you know, the lemonade stand to like the lemonade truck. to like, you know, saying it's one of those kind of things where he's on your street, but you, you level enough. And I, it was such a dope business experiment, uh, kind of like a dope, like study case, like what I was doing, like looking back, I'm just like, yeah, man, like it all paid off, like taking it serious, like really paid off, man. That's that's hella dope, bro, on some real shit. Because even even from when you were just breaking down all your expenses and and everything like that, and choosing where to allocate it, you know, and just kind of using the uh, how much you make at a at a job, paying you eight hours a day, blah blah blah, versus how much you were yeah. actually making, and then kind of breaking that down and allocating it to where it needed to go, just to kind of get yourself to 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 a comfortable space to where you can kind of get yourself above water and then you're just figuring it out as you go, man. That shit, yeah. that shit is man crazy, yo. Like, for real. <laughs> it's Thanks, so man. Dope. Dude, it's like, everybody got to start somewhere. People forget that though. Like, yeah, even, man. Oh, like, people, people like to <laughs> yeah, always see man. the end results and be like, oh yeah. Like, oh, it's, oh, lucky for him. He could do that. But yo, you don't even know where people started from. Everybody got their own story, man. And, you know, a lot of us, and, and no knock on having a job at all. Like, if, if people want to have a job, that's so be it. I still got a job. But Absolutely. I, I got bigger goals, and it's it's I'm using it as a stepping stone. You got to start somewhere, man. You know what I'm yes. saying? <laughs> it, and it makes it doubt. And I'm pretty sure you can agree with this, and, and I haven't gotten to that point yet, but it's going to mm-hmm. make it all the more worthwhile 
when you build it yourself, not looking specifically for, oh yeah, open these yeah. doors <laughs> for you. But if you out there, you know what I'm saying, trying to like think, expect things that are, you know, like people are gonna open doors for you and all that stuff, like it could happen. But I'm just saying, when you build you when you build it on your own, you can depend on yourself and you really you have the yeah. ability to figure it out. And you are you are proof of that, man. And that is ill. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. For real, man. Um, yeah. Um it's 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 crazy, man. Uh, even like even the recent getting DMs, um, you know, from people like yourself or even like old friends from school who were like, yo, like just you don't understand how much you inspire me to do, like to believe in what I'm doing. Like I watched you from like when we were back in like high school where you at now, and it's just like I saw you bust your ass <laughs> like hours in your mom's basement. I was in on the street, you know, I was while still doing school. I'm just like, yeah, it's funny because a lot of people who meet me now, um, they don't know half of what the story is. They got to see it now, but yeah, man, I ain't gonna lie. It's been since I was 18. So that's like, uh, that's like 12 year journey, man. 12 years when I started. Like, hey, I'm gonna make take music serious at 18. So now I'm about to be 31 this year, and it's 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 crazy, man. It's it's crazy, and I, I, I it's so humbling, you know, what I'm saying to, to be able to. To, to tell my story, inspire people, because like I, I generally think it's it's like I'm, you ask all my friends, man. I'm like annoying. Like I'm always like, yo, how can I help you do you know do this or that? Like what you need to do? Like I, I know this is that. Like I be trying to get my boys going. Like I'm like annoying as hell. Like don't hit me up for advice, man. It's over. Like I'm gonna talk you off for an hour. It's over. Like no, I really be on that time though. You put, that's the time I be on. Value, like, man. You providing value, man, and that that's priceless <laughs> right there, bro. Nah, thank you, man. That's that's the type of person I am, man. I, like I said, I think it comes back to how I was brought up for real, like just being competitive, being very, very self-efficient. My dad was always like, yo, we could read, you can do anything. So we always like still down reading, like, I mean, super old school, like I couldn't watch TV on the weekdays and all type of stuff like that. So, yeah. or even on the weekends, you had to read like two hours before you watch the book, before you watch any TV or play any video games. It was, I, was, I was on that time. So like, I, I hated it back then, but now as I'm older, I'm like, man, like all those muscles that I worked out back then, like, bro, raising my daughter the same way. The there you same go. exact fucking way, bro. Like my, my daughter's on books every day. Like, there you go. I can see it already. Now she's picking up on certain things. I'm just like, yeah, this is the way. <laughs> man, I saw something on Instagram just last night where it said, as parents, we got to make it so that reading for kids is non-negotiable. Like it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's better than them early because man, there's so much knowledge and wisdom that you can extract. I'm a big reader myself, man. And mm-hmm. so like so many things and you can teach yourself so many different things just by yes. book It's crazy. And in today's world, there's so many different ways to pick up on information yeah. and and, and upload it into the brain so that you can I know. regular life, man. You know what I'm saying? And man, your journey, your journey is incredible, man. And you know, what's crazy is I, I feel like it's, it's taking on a whole new chapter. It's going to just take on a whole new chapter with your daughter, with where you're at right now, because the potential is limitless for all of us. And where you're at right now, you have a prime opportunity to build it as far as you want to build it, man. And with your attitude that I can sense right now, like, damn, sky's the limit for real, for real. Like, I mean, I appreciate that, man. Honestly, that's how it feels. And even though there's a little anxiety that comes with that, it's still obviously a lot of gratitude. I'm just like, 
I'm, I'm also just so, I don't want to say anxious, because I'm trying to get away from that feeling, but it's just like, I'm so ready for like, what's coming next? Like yeah. every day, you know, the DMs get more fun and fun every day. And I'm just like, okay, this is cool. This is super cool. You strike me as someone who's living in your purpose, man. You know, um, I'm actually currently reading a book right now. I don't know if you know who Jay Shetty is, but um, it's a Jay book Shetty, called- Jay Shetty, actually not. Think, think like a, is that a thing like a monk? Think, think like a monk. So- Okay, that sounds dope. Podcast. That sounds super dope. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, dude, it's a- uh, You already got my interest that one. <laughs> uh, check that out. Once, once you, oh, it's, it's so incredible, man. And these are things that I didn't think about when I was younger, for sure, man. These, like, these subjects I, I that we're talking about right now, man, these were so yeah. far-fetched to me, like, back in the day when I did. I know, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so the feeling you have right now, and especially with how much you built, like, you have such an incredible opportunity to just, like, continue to inspire, motivate, and your story is going to continue to just like propel not only your brand and your life, but it's gonna it's gonna wake something up in people that catch wind of it, man. You know what I'm saying? And I I just feel like, man. So the reason why I brought this book um, up right now is just because you you were talking about anxiety, and uh, man, mm-hmm. all I'll say is just continue to live in the moment. You've already shown the ability to figure it out as you go. And <laughs> all you're gonna all you gotta keep doing living in your purpose and figure no. it out as you go. No, I appreciate that, man. For real, for real, for real. I appreciate that. That you know, hearing that that little bit of closure definitely helps you more than you think. You know, so I have to remind myself that it's like done before you do it again, man. Just <laughs> just stay to your principles, you guy. <laughs> man. Hey man, I've I've learned so much from our discussion today, man, to be honest with you. And for real, for real, I'm motivated because I swear, as you were kind of just explaining how you kind of started from where you were and you kind of broke things down to, you know, some very pragmatic ways of, of like doing things. I'm starting to think about it, how I, how I can do it for my brand, how I can, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm like, oh, yo, yeah, man. Really start paying attention, <laughs> like how I can start kind of building and elevating and applying it. And then eventually when enough time passes by, if you do it long enough, you're going to look mm-hmm. back and be like, damn. I done built a lot of shit. This shit's crazy. Yeah, yeah, man. That's an amazing feeling, man. I'm telling you, that feeling is crazy. You're always gonna want to keep besting yourself, which is nothing's wrong with that. But mm. it's, 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 it re-inspires you. You know what I'm saying? To keep looking back, like, ah, oh, damn. Okay, yeah, we went that far. Okay, let's see what we can do this time. Mm. Yeah, man. I, I actually really love the brand. Actually, this this less uh, less by our measure is is dope as hell. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So like, I was like, yeah. Yeah, you definitely absolutely keep going with this for sure, I man. It, man, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, hey, I'm man. See you up there I, with like Breakfast Breakfast Club soon and all them guys, man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, the vision is large, man. We we going. No Rogan, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we going, man. And and like I said, you welcome on anytime, my G, because you you know your spirit yeah. that you're bringing here, man. That energy is exactly what. I feel like this podcast embodies just trying to mm. pour value into other people. Anybody that catches wind of what we're talking about is just, I want them to basically be like a fly on the wall and just be able to pick stuff up so it can help mm. them. You know what I'm saying? We, we trying to make the world a better place through our work and things like that. So, you know, with, the, with that being said, before we get up out of here, man, cause I, I do want to be respectful of your time. I, I want to ask you a couple things. First yeah. thing is, so far up to this point in your life, 
what's been your favorite moment in this whole music thing? <laughs> man, I ain't gonna lie, man. Woo, that that Wale concert, bro. I can't explain to you how. I can't explain to you how crazy that was because it, it, there's so many layers to it. And I try, I try to be quick with it, but like one of the one of the funniest layers to me was I remember when I was moving to DC, my friend made a joke like, "Oh, you about to go to DC? You gonna look up a Wale?" You know what I'm saying? Kind of like being funny, you know what I'm saying? And he's, he's my boy. He didn't mean anything by it. He was just kind of like teasing me. It was just so funny. I remember when I met Wale and I sent him the picture. I remember I took a picture of me and Wale. Wale let me take a selfie and I sent it to him. And my, my friend lost his mind, bro. He was like, see, I told you. I told you. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny, man. Yeah, and then another layer to that was um, all the, a, lot of, a lot of the pictures you see on my profile of that night came from my now fiance because she had a DSLR camera, and I don't think she'll get mad. I'll say this, but <laughs> she um she wasn't actually allowed to bring it inside to the concert. You weren't allowed, so they was like, "Oh yeah, take the the lens off, or something like that, and we'll hold the lens for you, and then when you come back out, we'll take the lens, right?" And I didn't know this was happening because I was already backstage, and she's telling me this after. She's like, "All right, cool." So she was like, she's looking around. It was, it was a lot of commotion going on. And so she asks the, the, the lady, say, hey, can I use the bathroom real quick? So she gets her ticket, whatever, goes to the bathroom. And she, she tells me, she just walks out and goes in with the camera. So then she's in the camera, probably the only person in the crowd with like a professional great camera, no media pass. And she's snapping shots of my, of my show. And like, if it wasn't for her, like I literally, I would have like, no pictures or like very little clips because all the pictures obviously were very centered on Wale and everything that I'm off the side but like she took some premiere shots that were like that like set off like my like website and like press kit and stuff like that that night and like it was it was incredible man like being backstage and, and meeting other artists like Dave East meeting Ari Lennox meeting uh Dave Bellinger and like it wasn't even just Wale it was other people at this, this, this show and it was it was insane, bro, especially at that venue, because I went to like three concerts as just like a, you know, as like a, as a fan. When I was like, I went to a few concerts there. It's like uh, the Fillmore Silver Springs popular. They have all these acts there. And so like to have, when I was like, there's a fan, then like not even a month later after, after seeing like a, a comment in Jay Electronica show, I was on that stage. It was like the most mind-blowing shit ever man. it was so crazy to me and you know after that just like you know everybody back home in new rochelle kitchen winds and being like just like bigging me up it was crazy on facebook and i mean insane like my dms were crazy everybody's posting everybody shouting me out like yo marv did it yo marv finally you know made that step you know what i'm saying because like i'm telling you people knew me making music since we was 18. This happened when I was 27. So it's been nine years of everybody's knowing me trying out rap groups and out my mom's basement. I used to throw house parties. I mean, I was grinding, man. I was, I was, I was, man. <laughs> so that was like stamp, bro. Like stamp, like OD stamp. And like, I think second to that was obviously being on NPR Tiny Desk because I used to watch all that last night. It was so, it was so <laughs> good, by the way. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That was another surreal, funny how things happen type of situation. But yeah, man, I just, I watched 
NPR religiously. Like one of my favorite ones is like the Anderson Park one and like um what you call it? some other ones, but that's the most prominent. And like when I was on that stage, when I was on that in that NPR office, I was looking like, yo, I'm really on the set of NPR right now. I'm just like <laughs> I didn't even know there's a crowd because there's like it's like a crowd of people. I didn't know it's actually in a real office building. I'm just like, this is crazy. Like seeing the behind the scenes of NPR and it's just like, and just chopping it up with Golden. He was like a super cool dude, you know. And playing with all those talented ass musicians, um, that was a crazy experience. And like, that was another one of those like, okay, my brand is took another big step up. And it's it's crazy. That it all came from off just playing on the street, man. Like, it's crazy. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. When I asked you the question, I thought I thought for sure you were gonna say Rakim or Slick Rick. <laughs> I for sure, but That's I agree. for sure because them, you know, they legend. I mean, not you know, not to take nothing. To be honest, yo, the reason why them. no, you're 100 right. But I think I have to bring it back to the Wale because I really don't think that would have happened without the Wale thing happening first, and mm. that's what's so big. So I would I'm tell I would no way would have had that opportunity if that wild sure. thing didn't happen first. Trust me. So it's like, yeah, that was crazy amazing, especially because those were like within five months of each other, like the slick rate thing and then the rock Kim thing. And was, I met the girl who who connected me to them. I met her on the street. I was playing violin in Silver Spring on the street. Wow. One late, and this girl walked up to me. She was like so different. Because one, she's a woman, but she was so brave to walk up to a random ass black dude just playing on the street. And the way she was moving, I was watching how she was moving. As I'm talking, I find out she's like ex-military. She freaking is nice with nunchucks. Like she's official. <laughs> I know, bro. I'm dead serious. And she's a rapper. She was a sick ass rapper too. Yo. So like, yeah, bro. So like we connected when she saw me in the street just to create the creative energy. And we and she and she invited me to a bunch of open mics, so we used to chill a little bit before she even offered that opportunity to me. So like we were just cool people from a random chick who uh, I, I, I vibe with off of music. She loved my playlist. She was an old school hip hop head, so all you know, it was all connecting. I always play over old school hip hop stuff. And I don't know, one random day she was like, "Hey, yo, I'm, I got an opportunity because she was opening for Slick Rick on his birthday," and she was like, "Yo, I want you to come play." For my set, she's like, great. So like, she was really cool with Slickrick's like wife, his manager, all stuff like that. And like, brought me on. We did the set, and then after that, I flicked it up with Slick Rick, met him, all that stuff like that. Like five months later, she began. I'm about to open for Rock Kim. I'm like, what? <laughs> so like, I remember there was a moment where I'm in the dressing room. And the only people in the dressing room was a small ass dressing room is me, my fiance, and Rakim. That's all. This is us three. And we're chilling and talking. I'm just thinking to myself, like, this can't be my life, yo. <laughs> like, I'm like, no, literally, right before Rakim goes on stage, because um, the girl, her name is Intel, she walks us into his, into his, uh, um, his dressing room, right? And at first, he's like Rakim, some, some other, like, two, like, one of the um, like, manager. And then us three. And then all of a sudden, Intel and the manager just leave. And it's just me, Rakim, and my fiance for like a good long time. It was like 15 minutes. We're just chilling. And like after we're done the conversation, he's like, oh, I think they called me. And then they say, introduce Rakim. He walks from the dressing room onto the stage straight to his set. And I'm just like, yeah, bro. I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Like it was, it was, it was unbelievable. I gave him all his props. I was like, dude, like, I'm 
so honored <laughs> to meet you right now, man. Like, and you know, we flipped we flipped it up after two with the picks, and yeah, man, um, man, that run from 2016 to like 2019 was unfucking real, like unreal. And then like being on the BET movie, um, angrily ever after. And I, I, the the connect for that was on the street as well. I was playing at DC Wharf, which is like a a, a a high development going on over there, where they're adding a whole bunch of. Uh, it's already been added, but there's a whole other part to it coming with just restaurants and seafood and just attractions all on the on the on the waterfront of DC. And um, I, I I did the grand opening <laughs> for the wharf, and I played there. So they started uh, hiring me to play. Literally, they hired me to play on the street of the wharf. So I would go to work and play, and I met this woman who randomly called me one morning, like, "Hey, I have a friend who's a BC producer, and she's looking for a violinist for this movie. Are you available today?" <laughs> I'm like, I can be, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So you're on my schedule. I'm like, you're on the schedule. Get my clothes washed. Get myself a lineup. Looking fresh. I jet over there to the work, bro. And like, sure enough, sign a few papers. Um, I even put down the exact name I wanted to be credited as, which was Marvelous Beats, and I wrote that down purposefully instead of my government name because I wanted my brand to be in uh, press and written. So, like, I remember, and now you go to the movie, he's going to say Marvelous Martin says Marvelous Beats, and that's how I wanted it. <laughs> so, oh. anyway, I have, like, an IMBD page now, which is crazy. Crazy. So, like, um, <laughs> so, yeah, I got my first movie credit just being, and it says Marvelous Beats as a violinist, so it's like, I'm playing myself in the movie, like as like a, as a violinist in this lounge. There's like one scene that's kind of like did a cameo real quick. And yeah, man, like all of this happened in like a two and a half, three year span. And um, yeah, yeah, man, like I said, like, man, I wouldn't even recognize myself like four, four years ago. <laughs> like, like for real, for real, like, um, but yeah, it, it all started from the Wale thing, man. The Wale thing, like I took it to a whole new level. Holding level. Yeah, it, it seems to me who you became in the process in order to get to the point where you're at right now and, and continue to elevate and climb the ranks that as you as you're continuously doing right now is is the, the true value of what the experience has brought, man. It's like the the jump, the evolution of who you are, your brand, what you're giving, what you're teaching, what you're inspiring. That shit is mad dope, bro. And I know, I know I said I wanted to leave out here with just two more questions or that one, but I I, I really I got a little more time, man. We good. I I, uh, I got a little cushion. Man. <laughs> we good. That, we that, I purposely kept the cushion. I know we talked about an hour and 15, but we're gonna go a little over. Yeah, yeah, we good. <laughs> I want to give you this space right now because it's clear mm-hmm. to me that you have some very strong influential women in your life. That, mm, that, that mm, were very mm, pivotal mm, in, in oof, helping you and, and continuously <laughs> helping you. So I want to give you that space to just give them some flowers right now, my G. I, I appreciate you so much for, for doing that. Um, one, because I, I thought about that. I didn't think about it all the time. I'm just like, there's so many, and specifically black women, like the black women in my life have helped me. There's no way to even quantify it. There's no way to fully pay it back, <laughs> like from my mom to my sisters to my fiance to the rapper named Intel who met me randomly on the street, the black woman who connected me to BET. Uh, 
it's it's crazy, man. Like, I don't know. Um, I've always had a very, very, very high respect for women. Um, number one, because I grew up with mostly women. You know what I mean? Um, and um, I, like I said, it's almost no way for me to pay them back, but just to always, when I had the opportunity to give them the flowers on the biggest stages, even any stage, any, I, 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 I happily, <laughs> happily do it. You know what I mean? And I, it's very clear and I say it all the time I'm like I will not be where I am now without the women in my life that is period that is full stop <laughs> you know what I mean like it's, it's um I don't want to talk about you know people who are super negative because I want to keep any bringing any negativity into this topic at all you know what I'm saying keep it positive but like that's one of that's one of men especially and um the black community especially to continue to support on women, respect on women, um, you know, give them their flowers, um, you know what I'm saying? Give them their soapboxes, give them their chances, you know what I'm saying? Give them their space, <laughs> give them their respect, you know what I'm saying? Give them your ear, you know what I'm saying? For real, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's crazy, like, um, as much as it impacted my life, I can't imagine on like a historic scale, an American historic scale, you're gonna go all the way back to, you know, African kingdoms. Like just to think about how women have literally shaped so much of 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 just history in general. You know what I'm saying? The amount of alley hoops they've thrown to the men, you know, on the ways to building this thing is 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 it's incredible how how much i can i can't imagine how much is not known how much is not talked about you know what i mean like you know what i'm saying as much as we do know like, you imagine how much is not talked about you know what i'm saying like the amount of alley hoops i've gotten on my journey from women is crazy it's absolutely insane <laughs> like and i'm one thing that it makes me so so humbled about it you know what i'm saying i think like man y'all really saw like i was worth that effort you know so i was worth that time like and I think that's a big testament to just uh, not just even just um, men in our relationship with women, but just like um, just people in the world. It's like you gotta like how I explain it, um, man. How I explain it? You just gotta sometimes you really just gotta put the energy out that you um, you gotta make it kind of easy for that kind of giving energy to come around you. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta. Sometimes you do have to build something first for somebody to come and take it serious. Sometimes you do have to change first. <laughs> but you can't, you know what I'm saying? People got to see the work first. Somebody got to see the passion first. And it's just like, I think a lot of, you know, I'm not saying, I, 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 I guarantee you, like, even if I showed a fraction of <laughs> the drive and determination that I had, I, those women still would help me. But it's like, you have to take some responsibility as a person for what you can do and what you can build, what you can control, what you can put together. And then, you know, like I said, karma, I'm a big deal on karma, put that energy out. Like, yo, I'm serious about this. I'm putting in the work and it'll come, you know what I'm saying? I've seen it, I've experienced it, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I ride and die by that all day. But yeah, thank you to all the women in my life. <laughs> Jeez, Jeez Louise. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know a great way you can pay it forward, man, is through your daughter, man. You know, and just, just oh, absolutely. Right? And I, man, I can already tell. That, that, I can already tell that's that's one of like your biggest priority, man. 
Absolutely, absolutely, hands down, man, hands down. One of my one of my biggest things was was making sure that my daughter had a two parent loving household, and I'm dedicating to that for as long as I possibly can until I am gone. <laughs> like, cause I didn't not only did I didn't really have that, I didn't really see it in my friends. Like, they're like mm. almost all my parents' friends are not together. You know what I'm saying? And like, I don't know. I just wanted to even like. It's all another conversation. My, uh, me and my fiance's relationship was just so, uh, we were so focused on doing it our way, like our, specifically our way and like our timing and our, you know, it's just like, I didn't want to repeat any bad generational cycles or curses, you know what I'm saying? Like, especially with so much resources that God has given me and so much opportunity God has given me, I just feel like it would be, it would be disrespectful straight up. To me, I feel in my soul, I feel like it'd be disrespectful as hell to the, the most high, to whatever God you believe in, for me to be in this kind of position and do fuckery. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it don't make no sense. I can't be who I am and just do stupid shit. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. You know, karmically, it doesn't make sense. So I stay hella humble. I try to always, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, you know, just, just move with principle you know what i mean and integrity. um integrity there you go that's that's that's, that's a word moving integrity and um yeah man being um being a very present father for sure is a huge priority on my list for sure as well as a, as a great husband you know that's amazing man seriously that's that's truly amazing bro and the last thing I usually do before I, I let my guests get up out of here, man, is just give you a little bit of opportunity to talk about anything that you feel like you wanted to talk about that we might not have covered. And I just want to ask you also, too, like, what's one parting gift that you would kind of give to anybody listening to this um, to to further inspire them, man? Um, email me. <laughs> you know, I say just email me straight up. Like, even if it's not like, hey, I want you to play in my brother or sister's wedding, just if you have a simple question about music business or advice on playing in the street, you know, I'm super open. So you can DM me, you can email me. Um, other than that, um, I guess I'll just make some like a couple of announcements, I guess, about like some things that are coming up. Um, I do play in a band called Control Chaos, super talented band. Um, all HBCU students who basically graduated and we all play our instruments very well. We come together, we make this, um, it's, it's headed, it's led by um, Jonathan Futsalivas. He's the drummer, we call him Futs, and uh, incredibly talented dude. And we are um, in the process of, you know, getting our second album out. It's already recorded, it's being mixed right now. Uh, our second album is called Get Into It. And I expect that to be out in the spring, um, later this summer. I'm super excited about that because the music sounds incredible. The process of recording this album was amazing the amount of instruments instrumentation musicians that we brought in like there's not a single i don't know i just a single instrument class that we haven't brought in live to play on this album so it's just gonna sound like full soundscape like just beautiful garage soul that's what we call our genre garage soul um so look out for that um also i'm definitely working on my third album the third chilled violin album um i was i was it was gonna be spring I think I'm going to push it back to summer um, because, you know, I've got the whole other album going on right now. And, um, you know, wedding season is about to pop up. So I'll be a little busy. 
um, Joe the Violin. Um, I'm not gonna give the the name out, the John the theme name out yet, but the third Chilled Violin album is on the way for sure. And um, let's uh, keep up with me, uh, people who are watching on marvbeats.com. And spell how it sounds M A R V B E A T S dot com. Find my links to everything: Instagram, YouTube. Uh, you can book me <laughs> directly on our website too. And uh, yeah, and read more of the story. There's, there's um, you know, my bio and all that good stuff there too. So um, yeah, um, yeah, join me on the journey. That's all. That's all I can say. Just join me on this journey. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. And Marv, man, I, I personally truly appreciate your time, man. I appreciate the work that you're doing. I appreciate the energy you're giving off. And seriously, I learned so much from our conversation today. And, and I was very happy to have met you. You're welcome on any time, man. You know what I'm saying? Thank like you. Like I, I said, I will take you up on and off for sure. <laughs> anytime, man. And uh, damn, seriously, man, it, it was, a, it was a, a great conversation. Had a lot of fun doing this, man. And um, yeah. Before we get up out of here to my Bless Beyond Measure podcast audience, man, make sure you go follow Marv at Marvelous, Marvelous Beats. Yep, Marvelous Beats. Marvelous yeah, at Marvelous Beats on Instagram. Beats. He's got his website in the link over there, so you can kind of get connected with him through there. Like, he's, it'll jump you to booking him for weddings. It'll jump you to all his music. It'll jump you to articles about him. Dude's a real fascinating dude, real experienced dude, and just good dude overall from what – what I can tell him, what I've got to learn about him today. And uh, man, Marv, thanks again, brother. Thank you, my brother, man. It's been an absolute joy. And uh, yeah, man, can't wait till next time, man. You have a great one. And uh, peace to everybody out there viewing. All right, y'all. Peace and love, y'all. Stay blessed. All right, man. Bless life. You too. Break.